everyone. And thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. We are super excited about today's guest. We have Dr. Kevin with us today from Kevin MD. I know everyone knows so much about your blog and your website and, and the medical education you're able to put out there from the words of specialists. So please tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, kind of, you know, how you sure. got started in this journey. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me. It's so wonderful to be here. So my name is uh, Kevin Poe, and I'm an internal medicine physician. I've been practicing for almost 19 years now in Nashua, New Hampshire, which is about 45 minutes north of Boston. Um, I still see patients three to four days a week. And uh, I started KevinMD.com, which uh, started off as a blog back in 2002, and it's certainly grown into an online platform where I not only have the blog, but I have a newsletter, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. And uh, I use it to really share and amplify the stories of the many who intersect with our healthcare system but are really heard from. Mm -hmm. And these are stories not only from physicians, but also from personnel across the healthcare spectrum. So we're talking about nurse practitioners, physician assistants, medical students, nurses, and of course, patients as well. And it's been a tremendous journey. And uh, I wouldn't be on this podcast if it wasn't for Kevin MD. And uh, really excited to uh, talk to you and share, share my story today. Yeah, that's absolutely great. I love the idea of opening it to not just physicians, but the entire healthcare system and, and different individuals in that. So I'm going to jump into our first question. And and so in your journey as an internal medicine physician, you're seeing patients, you're obviously crazy busy and time is very limited. Mm-hmm. What made you decide that you're going to invest in this blogging website for, for healthcare professionals? Well, I'm going to let you on a secret because it definitely wasn't planned. It's okay. not like I sat down in 2002 <laughs> and had a business plan and I said, this is exactly what it's going to be. Uh, when I first started, there weren't very many physician blogs. Uh, in fact, you probably can count them on on yeah. one hand. And um, blogging itself was just in its infancy. And I remember... Um, at that time in 2002, there was a drug recall and uh, I wrote an article about it. And the next day I was in the exam room with a patient. And the first thing that patient said to me was, thank you, Dr. Poe. I, I actually read your blog post this morning and I was comforted by what you had to say. And now I realized mm-hmm. there were other options for this uh, drug that was recalled. And that was when I realized that we can really have a voice not only in the exam room, but outside of the exam room as well. And it's tremendously important for us to have these platforms because, um, as you know, patients are going online to research the health condition. Studies say that seven out of 10 internet users use the web to look for healthcare information. And especially now we're in the midst of a pandemic and we have to be aware that there is a lot of misinformation and a lot of bad medical information that's out there. And it's been a, a, a tremendously important tool to connect with these patients and either be a source of reputable healthcare information or guide them to better healthcare information. And as social media has evolved and now we have other tools um, other than blogs like uh, podcasts like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn, um, we have more avenues than ever to uh, not only connect with patients but with other clinicians as well. And it's been a tremendously fascinating journey as social media has evolved through the years. Yeah, that's incredible. And I love how you said too, like how thirsty patients were to get this information. And, and I think that's really important for physicians. I know because I'm a patient. Yeah. Um, you can go online, it can be really scary, you know, when you're researching something and all of a sudden you're seeing the big C word. And, and you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you're just like, gosh, I'd really just like to know from the physician themselves. And 
I really enjoy that. Your blog has so many viewpoints from so many healthcare professionals. And um, I know one of the things in starting this journey, like you said, in educating patients and having that voice outside the practice, what were some of your biggest challenges kind of stumbling onto this blogging, you know, besides, you know, seeing patients in the practice, now you're trying to, you know, educate them outside. So what were some of your biggest challenges kind of in the beginning and maybe, you know, still today? Yeah. So as physicians, we have very little training when it comes to building online platforms. Uh, I'm certainly not a writer. I don't have a journalism background. And when it comes to the technical side of creating platforms, we have zero training in that as well in terms of utilizing social media, um, the marketing aspects that go into it, copy editing, copywriting. These are all things that we just don't have any training in. So essentially, I learn on the fly. Um, The good news about medicine is that we're always a few years behind other industries. So if you look at other industries like the tech industry, like the the newspaper industries and see what the, some of the trends that they're going through and you apply to healthcare, you'll always be a few years ahead of, cur- ahead of the curve. And that's essentially what I did. I just looked at trends from other industries and I thought to myself, how can we apply these trends to medicine? How can online platforms in other areas and venues apply to healthcare medicine? And um, by applying those trends to healthcare, you, you, you would always be a pioneer. You'll always be one of the first to do it. So that, that, that was really my, my guiding principles um, and certainly some of the challenges that were there. Um, of mm-hmm. course, there are some things that you can't do in medicine that you can do in other industries. Um, right. We have to be careful about things like patient privacy. And um, we have a very uh, a huge spectrum of opinions when it comes to healthcare. So I've certainly had some challenges in terms of moderating voices because um, healthcare, as you know, is very political. And oh, yeah. when you talk about policy, Politics. Um, you know, there <laughs> is often off, it is often an endless conversation. It is often fruitless. So certainly, there's challenges there in terms of um, uh, creating that conversation. But you want to moderate it so it doesn't uh, veer off the rails as many poli- uh, 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 conversations about politics go. So there, a lot of the stuff uh, I, I did learn on the fly. Uh, but after doing this for close to 17, 18 years now, I've pretty much seen um, everything that there is to be, to be out there. There is very little that surprises me. And um, I think this is only uh, um, things that you could learn from experience because there are very few books uh, about this. And mm-hmm. um, it's certainly something that we don't learn in medical school residency. Oh, yeah, definitely. Have, have you seen, I would imagine, because we, I mean, we're, we're sitting here now talking about it from an individual kind of physician branding and, and, and leaving your legacy um, online. Have you seen over the trajectory of your site? Because I would imagine, like you said, you've been doing this for 17 years. There weren't a lot of doctors mm-hmm. in the space yeah. doing this at all. Mm-hmm. So if you, it was probably difficult to come up with a lot of that content that now you probably have submitted on a regular basis with doctors vying for attention. So what have you seen historically with doctors wanting to build a platform like you? Have you seen a surge um, of, of um, user-generated content of people reaching out to you trying to get advice? What have you seen? Yeah. So I, I think that there's been a slow acceptance of how important it is for physicians to have their own online platforms. And I think nowhere is that more important than during the current pandemic that we're in. Right. Um, yeah. we're, we're hearing stories about physicians who are getting silenced if they speak out about a lack of personal protective equipment, um, that hospitals are threatening to fire healthcare professionals who talk to the media. Uh, these are issues that are vitally important to our profession. 
and to healthcare workers, because we're talking about our own safety when physicians are or and nurses are on the front lines and they don't have pr- um, the, the proper equipment. But if they're silenced and they can't get their voice heard, then nothing really is going to change. So one of the lessons that I hope everyone learns from this pandemic is that it's it's so important for us not only to have our own voice but a platform for which we can get those voices heard and we need to own that platform that platform cannot be under the auspices of a company or your hospital or your medical institution we ourselves as physicians need to own that platform because that's really the only way that we can um, get their voice heard and hope to hope to make a change I think that is a fantastic point point. I had I had a, a guest on John Wall who's kind of like you were a pioneer. He was a pioneer in the podcasting space. He has a podcast called Marketing Over Coffee, but he alluded to that for multiple reasons for what you just said to control your own voice, but controlling your landscape long-term because if Facebook Mm -hmm. shuts down their algorithm or LinkedIn changes, and you've been so reliant on those things for your audience, if you haven't built your own engaged audience, you're kind of at the mercy of other people and why that's so important as people who didn't Mm -hmm. do that and all of a sudden, they were forced to close their practices, but they had nobody listening at that yeah. point. I, I can't add, it any, add any more to that. I completely agree. Well, when you are deciding and you're building your your platform and you're starting to get your voice out there, which I love the way you said that, kind of building this platform and getting your voice. Um, some physicians I know, even the clients we have and people that reach out ask, you know, what do I write about? How, how, mm-hmm. how can I consistently create content? And I think they have a few ideas in the beginning, but I think sometimes it it can be an overwhelming thought for them on creating consistent content. So for your direction, how did you help focus not only creating consistent content, but how did you get creative making sure it was what A, readers want to read and B, you could still be a good authority in the space? Sure. So whenever I talk to physicians who want to get online or want to start a platform or want to get into social media, they need to know why they want to do it first. They, they got to start with a purpose. I think that um, a lot of physicians get intimidated when they're forced to go on social media because there are so many options that are out there and it's completely intimidating. So doctors ask themselves, why do I need to get on social media? You know, there's, there's so many things that I'd rather be doing. But if you start with a purpose first, like start with your why, right? And start like, you know, what's the purpose you want to get out of? Do you want to connect with patients? Do you want to advocate for change? Do you want to talk about healthcare reform? Or do you simply want to manage your online reputation? You want to start with that reason first and then use social media platforms that are out there to, um, to, to support why you're doing this. For instance, if you want to connect, say, with patients and just educate them. I think Facebook and having a platform there is probably um, a good idea um, because so many patients are on Facebook. Um, If you want to talk about healthcare reform, you could just start with dipping your toes in Twitter and just listening to where the conversation is. Um, If you want to make videos, if you want to write articles, then of course, then we have blogs for that, um, for more longer form content. Um, and you know, videos, you could certainly do that also on Facebook and YouTube. But I think that rather than focusing on the platform itself, you want to focus on why you're doing that. Why? And you talked about the difficulty of creating content. And of course, that's really going to be the challenge for any healthcare marketer because, um, as you know, every platform is like a, a hungry beast. You always have to keep feeding this beast with oh, content. Yeah. <laughs> and that is one of the biggest, biggest challenges. But I think that once you start with why you're doing this, what's the purpose that you're trying, what's the message that you're trying to convey and what's the mission of your online platform? I think that 
makes it easier. Um, and then in, term, in terms of a more practical uh uh, a more practical piece of advice I can give is really just start with a schedule. Um, there's certainly um, um, no set frequency that you can um, you know post content, um, mm-hmm. but I think it just has to be a regular schedule, whether it's once a week, whether it's twice a week, whether it's three times a month, whether it's four times a week. Um, you want to stick to that set schedule. So physicians who are very busy and just want to dip their toes into it, they want to start with a platform that perhaps has less of a commitment, perhaps with like Facebook and Twitter. But then once they get comfortable with being online, then they could start a blog, which certainly takes a little bit more of an investment. Um, But I think the payoff um, is it would would be more than, than, than a, than a platform say on, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, But if they just want to dip their toes in first and see if they're comfortable being online, I probably would start with a platform that's ready made. And then as they gradually become more comfortable and become more invested, then they could start with, with their own platforms, um, you know, uh, online. That's, that's a great point. When you, and obviously as you alluded to it, your focus, who your end audience is shapes a lot of what you end up, whether you're writing blogs, you're doing video or you're choosing Twitter, or you're choosing Facebook. For your journey in particular, was there one medium of choice um, from a social platform that you've historically liked the best or maybe has evolved to um, in your journey? Great question. Yeah. So I think that there's no secret. It's going to be Facebook because that's where the audience is. We have yep. billions and billions of users. Oh, yeah. um, before Facebook changed the algorithm, you know, a few years yeah. ago when it was uh, a little bit more predictable in terms of what they would post, there, there'll be a, a lot of ways where we can um, generate a huge amount of traffic directly from Facebook. Now that that they've changed the algorithm and they want to surface more reputable content. I think um, you know it is a little bit more challenging to get attention from Facebook because so many people are uh, so many people are vying for for that audience. But still, in terms of social platforms, Facebook is is really uh, a place not only where patients are but other physicians are um, as well. And there's a tremendous amount of conversation that's going on around there. And I think um, I'm always going to tie it back to our current situation with the pandemic where we're all socially distancing ourselves. Right. Really, we're not having a lot of these face-to-face conversations anymore. And um, I think before the pandemic, Facebook was coming under a lot of fire when it came to privacy concerns. And you would hear about all these stories in the newspaper about the privacy concerns about Facebook. But we're not hearing so much about that because Facebook yeah. is really a tool now, especially during a pandemic where we're all connecting with each other. As a physician, I'm not only... Uh, connecting with patients and trying to guide them through reputable health coronavirus information, but physicians themselves are 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 connecting on these private Facebook groups. Groups because, are huge. Uh, yeah, Facebook groups are, are are a huge thing, and I think that the the treatment and the symptoms and the presentation of coronavirus this is changing so rapidly that medical journals really can't keep up with that pace of change. The only platform that can keep up with that pace of change are social media platforms because that's what it's built for. It's, it's right. built for rapidly evolving information. And uh, during this, this pandemic that we're in, that's exactly what we're getting. We're getting rapid evolving information because what was true just a month ago uh, things like hydroxychloroquine things like um, rapidly intubating patients and everyone was doing that a month ago now that's now we're not because yep. we've, we've yeah, showed we've, we've seen that th- th- those are things that are harmful and um, again 
there, there is only one platform that can keep up with that rapid pace of change. And, and those are our various social media platforms. And we've seen a real world example. One of our clients we set up yeah. very early on. He, he was one of the few private practices He's actually converted his concierge practice into full bone private practice to just start Dude, doing as much COVID testing. Yeah. And we set up an, a Facebook group, an open one, mm-hmm. but it was mainly focused on getting frontline COVID testing physicians mm-hmm. all across the country yeah. to, as you mentioned, disseminate information as quickly as they possibly could. Sure. And the, the thing is really ballooned. And it's been interesting because you have somebody in San right. Francisco that's seeing a treatment protocol mm-hmm. that's being more effective um, versus something all else. All utilizing a yeah, Facebook group, just like you said, very you know, just sure. keeping up with that Facebook group. Mm-hmm. How has Kevin MD, the blogging site and, and the content marketing, this healthcare content marketing, how has it changed your career, not only as a physician, but you know, how has it just completely changed your career from start to where you are now? So it's definitely giving me diversity in terms of what I do professionally. Um, that, that's certainly obvious. Uh, I don't see patients five days a week. I'm, I'm able to see patients, say, three days a week. And then I can do not only my site, but um, I have a speaking platform as well where I share my journey and keynote speeches. I also run a physician speakers bureau where I can connect great practicing physicians who are wonderful on stage with um, some of the other events that I've been in. And just having that uh, professional diversity has actually kept me going. Before the pandemic, we were all talking about physician burnout. And I'm sure we're still talking about physician burnout. But even before COVID-19, 50% of physicians uh, exhibited symptoms of burnout. And I I think one of the reasons why that is is because they really have all their professional eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. And when you have... Where all you do is see patients and go to the hospital and we're seeing some of the uh, administrative burdens and all the barriers Mm -hmm. that that, that are placed in front of physicians when it comes to treating patients, it's no wonder that they're burnt out. So I think that ironically, seeing fewer patients and seeing patients fewer days a week has actually helped my longevity in terms of becoming wow. a physician. Do you think so, it's yeah. caused, I feel like sometimes when you talk about physician burnout, it's almost like what they thought was going to be this fun journey, all the fun got sucked out of the room. Does, mm-hmm. does having a platform like this or whatever it is that your outlet needs to be, does it put kind of like you mentioned the fun back into medicine again? Cause you have those other diverse, diverse areas that can kind of, yeah. So on a surface level, yeah, of course, like having more things to do. And, um, you know, I love going out to speak. I love creating this platform and having opportunities to speak on, on podcasts. These are things that definitely, that, 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 that definitely are fun and kind of mm-hmm. breaks up uh, what I do professionally. But um, on a deeper level, I do think that talking about things like physician burnout on platforms and sharing our stories um, really brings light and normalizes what is a taboo subject, right? Before, uh, a few years ago, no one would talk about physician burnout. No one would talk about yeah, physician suicide. True. But uh, on my site, this is one of the most common topics. And yeah, we have physicians who share their stories about burnout, about how difficult it is to manage home life and professional life about um, how they think about suicide. And and, and these are things that uh, pro, uh, before social media and before we were able to tell our stories were, were hidden. But now I have hundreds of these stories come out and these doctors say that by sharing these stories and getting the feedback and um, they realize that they're not alone. And I think um, having that community and having that in common with with, with others um, really does help when it comes to to burnout, just having that outlet and having that platform where they can speak out and share their story. Well, and I think that's absolutely critical. A lot of listeners may not know. Right. I lost, I was directly affected by suicide. I lost a brother to suicide when I was a freshman in college. 
And as you mentioned and alluded to it is whether you're personally have been affected by it or the, the burnout's gotten so severe that you have contemplated it or something, having, hearing other people and, and voicing that yourself is, is massively therapeutic and very, very important. And so I thank you for giving a voice to that because who knows how many lives and, and that many you've been able to help and save potentially. So it's, that's a really important topic, I think. And I appreciate you bringing that up. And I love that you said kind of build that community. I know with what I do, I teach a course and it's all about community. But like you said, it's still rewarding to be able to, you know, open your schedule. You're still seeing patients. Now yeah. you're part of the Speakers Bureau. You're connecting with other physicians. But then you mentioned this idea of a community. And I think because you got your voice out there through this healthcare content marketing, you had to have these aha moments where, mm-hmm. where people were contacting you going, God, yes, I have totally been there. And maybe making some providers out there not feel so alone or so on an island, I call it lonely island yeah. syndrome, where you're just kind of, is this working? You know, is it just me? Am I complaining? Yep. So um, I think that something is especially true now because a lot of physicians, uh, you know, you have the proverbial doctor's lounge that you had like 10, 20 years ago, but now yep. we're all siloed, right? Because yep. um, I'm an internal medicine physician. I do primary care. I used to go to the hospital around my own patients, but now we have hospitalists that do that. Yep. We have nocturnists who only round a nice. So I think healthcare right. has become so fragmented and siloed that we no longer have that interaction talking to other doctors as well. So I think that's all the more important that we need to have some type of community online that can um, not replace that totally because no online community can replace a a face-to-face community, but it's certainly better than nothing. And um, I think that, you know, whether having a a private Facebook group or whether your your comments, a comment section on a blog, I think it's important to connect uh, like-minded individuals with each other. Oh, and that's such a great idea. And for my physician liaisons listening, he brings up a really good point. It may be a good idea to even kind of join a local group or Facebook group just dedicated to healthcare providers in that community. Maybe just physicians, part of that group, great way to build referral relationships and great way for physicians to connect and, and talk about different types of patient care. And like you said, just, I don't know, connect it in some way, if it can't be face-to-face, know that they're not alone in that journey. And I yeah. know Justin had a question. Um, yeah. So going back, you had alluded to it that you do a, one of your avenues of speaking and you have a speaking platform and you help other doctors get into um, that area of the world. What's some advice or, or things that you've learned over the journey of becoming a speaker? If there's a physician out there that's investing in content and ultimately they want to write a book or speak, mm-hmm. do you have any sure. good advice if they're getting started out and trying to speak more? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, again, it always starts with why they want to speak, right? So uh, never speak for the sake of speaking, but always have a purpose um, behind that. Mm -hmm. Uh, For many doctors that I talk to and coach is that uh, speaking, of course, is an extension of the platform. Uh, For doctors who have some type of online platform um, and, you know, they have uh, a great website and already proficient on social media and um, already have that online footprint, it's natural for them next to write a book, to spread their message. Um, and then once you write a book, then you could, of course, share it on stage. Um, really comes out of the principle of um, diversifying diversifying the avenues where people receive your message because um, the audience aren't necessarily, isn't necessarily one place, right? So the, some people may want to get your message on social media or online, but there are others that you may not reach online that, that want sure. to get your message through a book or, or through a conference where you speak on stage. So 
I think that, again, speaking isn't one of the things that is taught in medical school. So we have a lot of really dry grand rounds. And, right. and um, you know, I think that the level of speaking outside of medicine has gone up where the spe- or level of speaking within medicine has kind of stayed stagnant. Um, I think that we have um, TED Talks certainly has helped in terms of elevating the level of speaking. Mm-hmm. And I try to apply a lot of those principles to my own presentations as well. I try to make a more experienced and try to mm-hmm. um, and incorporate, again, some of the other things that I see in other industries and apply to, to medical conferences. And again, some of the things that you know, if you apply it, um, what you see elsewhere in the medicine, you'll always be ahead of the game, right? So I think it's been, it's again, been a great journey because I've traveled to you know, hundreds of places uh, within the country that uh, ordinarily I wouldn't visit. I, I, I've met doctors across the country, um, and really, they all have the same issues. Uh, you know, whether you oh, have a doctor in Oklahoma yeah. versus a doctor in Boston versus a doctor in Los Angeles, you know, we have that um, community because as physicians, we're all dealing with the same issues. Whether it's pre-authorization, whether it's burnout, whether it's dealing with um, local hospital systems, whether it's health insurance companies, medical practice. These are common issues that affect physicians across the country. And just meeting them and talking to doctors face-to-face has been fantastic, tremendously rewarding. So if I were to give one tip, um, you know, I can certainly talk all day on this, but uh, one tip in terms of speaking is really you want to frame your message in terms of stories. And um, I'm sure you guys are healthcare communicators. You know, this isn't really news to you, but I think that, you know, to to the audience, I do want to say is that you want to frame um, uh, everything that you speak in terms of stories because your audience would remember a story, yeah, right? Um, because like, uh, uh, when, when you talk about like numbers and statistics, you know, I think that goes in one ear and out the other. But if you frame that in terms of a compelling story that resonates, that's something that the audience would remember. So if I were to share one tip is that, um, yeah, you, you want to, you know, whether you're talking about a grand rounds or a keynote or even like a five to 10 minute speech, if you could put in as many stories as you can and weave it into a cohesive narrative, I think that would uh, instantly elevate your message on stage. And that's great advice because sometimes I think physicians can get so clinical with what they're talking about. You know, it can, it can kind of get some glazed eyes or, or mm-hmm. is important to kind of incorporate that storytelling. And I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm huge in content marketing. I think storytelling and personal branding is how you connect with your audience. And your audience wants to know. They want to follow along. They want to see the journey. And I think that's such great advice. So uh, my question is, what do you want your legacy to be as a physician, as a professional? I think that, um, you know, as a... The one thing that I probably would be is that we want to push the boundaries as to what it means to be a doctor. Um, I think that 15 to 20 years ago, being a doctor was a fairly rigid definition, right? It was just, you, know, you will go to the hospital, you, mm-hmm. you go to the operating room, you see patients in the exam room, and then you come back home, right? right? But now I think that the definition of being a doctor is so diverse. We have so many avenues where we can affect patients, where we can impact healthcare, where we can make a difference with healthcare policy and reform, where it isn't just one way where we can make that difference. You can now have a podcast. You can now have a blog. You can now share videos. You could have a Facebook presence. And I think there are so many ways where you can make a difference. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm certainly not the greatest doctor. You know, I didn't pass first in my class. I didn't, you know, I don't have like 
you know, I didn't have the, the, the greatest like um, uh, grades when I was in medical school and residency. I'm certainly average in, in every way, but I think that now we have tools that can where we can step outside of that box. So even though I'm certainly average, you know, I got average grades, but I've made myself unique in, in terms of having this online platform, being one of the first to have that online platform and really growing it over a span of 18 years. So now I have something that certainly differentiates me from other physicians who are out there. So um, when you ask about my legacy, I think that's probably it. You, I want to um, push the boundaries as to what it means to be, be a physician and, and uh, let other doctors know that they can really impact the world in uh, more ways than they can think of. That's great. Fantastic. And I I definitely think you're doing that. Each time you release that article and each time you give other physicians a voice, it's definitely more information and more of a push to your community. But sorry, I mean, interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. And I I just think I like to remind and I'd love to hear your um, thoughts, Kevin, is there's a there really is an uh, I think an audience for everyone like we've seen it we always bring it up we have a doctor that focuses on autoimmune disease and infectious <laughs> disease and he's built a great engaged audience where people are reaching out to him and, and flying in to see him and mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't matter what your focus is how specialized that's, that's, you are yeah, there's point. there's people that are on the other yeah. end of it patients that have had this rare type of cancer or deal with this yeah. rare autoimmune disease and they're looking for an ambassador that can be you as a physician um, to speak to them. Absolutely. I think that there are so many audiences that are out there. Um, and uh, we talk about, I talked about silos earlier and um, just talking about medical conferences. There are so many conferences that are out there that I didn't even know existed beforehand, right? Oh so God. I think, so um, you just don't know um, who who is out there. And now we have these tools like social media online platforms and we have the power to, to reach them and we have the power to really hyper-segment them. And uh, there is going to be a niche and audience for every physician that's out there. Awesome. Well, how, how can um, how can people get connected with you before we wrap up? Um, obviously, you got your website, but what are some ways that people can get connected? And obviously, speaking as well, if they want you to come and speak for them. Yeah, just simply my website at kevinmd.com. And uh, not only will you have uh, my content from other healthcare workers who share their stories, but I do offer, of course, uh, speaking as well and, um, and coaching of physicians who are interested in um, what I do in terms of building my own platform. And I also run a physician speakers bureau and i know during the pandemic um um, speaking is really kind of in the background of a lot of uh, (laughs) event organizers right now but i have a wonderful um uh group at physicianspeaking.com and um, again i invite everyone to take a look there and uh see what we have to say excellent thank you so much for sharing your information thank you so much oh no thanks for thank you so much for having me on It's, it's, it's wonderful to be here Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks, check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, 
physician liaison university. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.